This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. The Hope Book Club with Katrina Rowe and Natasha Moore. Because life's just better with a book. Welcome to the Hope Book Club with Katrina Rowe and Natasha Moore from the Centre for Public Christianity. In this episode, episode 22, we are talking crime fiction and maybe some fiction that's kind of crime related. We're starting with My Sister, the Serial Killer by Annika Braithwaite. Nominated for the Booker Prize in 2019, it's a morbidly funny story about how blood is thicker than water and also harder to get out of the carpet. Still Life by Louise Penny is the first book in the popular Chief Inspector Gamache murder series set in Quebec. And finally, I've been reading the Aussie murder mystery set in rainy Galway in Ireland, The Scholar by Dervla McTiernan. Plus, we talk about the big fat books that we've never had the time or the courage to tackle until now. And if you'd like to join in the conversation or share your thoughts about one of the books we discuss, we'd love to hear from your book club at hopemedia.com.au. But first, let's hear from My Sister, The Serial Killer by Annika Braithwaite. Who was he? Femi. I scribbled the name down. We are in my bedroom. Ayula is sitting cross-legged on my sofa, her head resting on the back of the cushion. While she took a bath, I set the dress she had been wearing on fire. Now she wears a rose-coloured T-shirt and smells of baby powder. And his surname? She frowns, pressing her lips together, and then she shakes her head, as if trying to shake the name back into the forefront of her brain. It doesn't come. I should have taken his wallet. I closed the notebook. It is small, smaller than the palm of my hand. I watched a TEDx video once where the man said that carrying around a notebook and penning one happy moment each day had changed his life. That is why I bought the notebook. On the first page, I wrote, I saw a white owl through my bedroom window. The notebook has been mostly empty since. It's not my fault, you know, but I don't know. I don't know what she is referring to. Does she mean the inability to recall his surname or his death? Tell me what happened. That is from My Sister, The Serial Killer by Annika Braithwaite. Natasha Moore is here kind of, on Zoom, from the Centre for Public Christianity. (laughs) Hey, Katrina. It's a story of two sisters with an intense relationship. One is beautiful, popular, and the parent's favourite child, but possibly also a sociopathic serial killer, while her practically-minded sister helps her clean up the collateral damage. Natasha, this book sounds a little crazy. Why did you pick this one up? Well, this is one that we chose to read for book club. I actually came across it. It was on the long list for the booker last year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I saw it and was like, it's a very arresting title. My sister, the serial killer, who doesn't want to read that? What's it about? <laughs> um, it's actually delightful as a read. Like, obviously, the subject matter is a little um, morbid, Gruesome? as you say. <laughs> yeah. You know, the situation kind of unfolds. You know, it begins very arrestingly with um, Corridy, the main character, the narrator, getting a call from her beautiful younger sister, Ayula, um, saying that she's killed her boyfriend. And this is not the first time this has happened. And, you know, she's always like, oh, this was self-defence. I didn't mean for it to happen. But Corridy is kind of at the point where she's like, do we believe her? I just don't know if, you know, 
she really regrets these things and if they really did start it. Yeah, crazy premise. I mean, just to step back a bit, the the author of this book is Nigerian, and yeah, that that's kind of refreshing. A different perspective. Is the book also set in Nigeria? Yeah, so it's set in Lagos, and that's actually one of the things I really liked about it as well. That I feel like a lot of the time, you know, the few kind of African novels I've read, often it's about Africa. She's not writing it for people to understand Nigeria and Nigeria's history or anything. It's just she is Nigerian and she's telling this, you know, fun, quirky story and it happens to be set in Lagos, which is where she's from. Um, And so I kind of enjoyed those glimpses into life in Lagos where, you know, there are a bunch of things that it doesn't really explain particular words or particular customs, but you get this like quite rich picture of living in a very different place to where I live. But the kind of family relationships and um, the psychology, the jealousy, the protectiveness, all those kinds of things play out in the same way, even though it's in a very different context. Yeah. So you mentioned like jealousy and protectiveness. Um, how would you characterize the relationship between Karita and Ayula? It's an interesting dynamic. Um, so Karidi is, I mean, we're struggling with the pronunciations here a little bit, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't quite know how you say her name. Um, but she's very much the big sister. She is um, practical. She's maybe a bit plainer than her sister. Um, she's an excellent cook. She's obsessively clean. Like she's the one who's always cleaning up after everybody else. She's very bossy. She's kind of in some ways not that likable a character, but because you're seeing the story from her perspective, you're kind of very much on her side. Um, And her little sister is like the opposite in all these ways, that Mm. she is um, gorgeous and she she seems very kind of superficial and just kind of goes through these different men who all kind of fall at her feet because she's gorgeous but don't necessarily get to know her or value her for who she is. And the sisters, you know, are kind of... um, unfolds as the story progresses that you learn a bit more about their childhood and particularly their father who's been dead for a couple of years that he was not a nice man and the kinds of things that they have been through together um and so Karidi has this very protective you know relationship to her sister but what happens is after you know she's killed a third boyfriend at the start of the novel Karidi is in love with um one of the doctors at her work, she's a nurse uh, at the hospital, and this doctor who kind of treats her as a very, you know, like reliable, stable um, colleague but she's nothing more. in the friend zone, yeah. Yeah. So he meets Ayula, the beautiful sister, and, of course, predictably enough, falls head over heels in love with her. And so then Koridi has this um, dilemma where the man that she loves is going out with her sister who's already killed three men. Um, and she's like, what do I do here? So she's got the jealousy of that um, and of knowing that this is how men respond to her sister, but also that anxiety of knowing what happens to men who fall in love with her sister. That this could be a very dangerous situation for him. <laughs> uh, it's a hilarious premise in a way. And and I guess uh, in some respects that, that past you mentioned explains a little bit why Karidi might go along with her sister's morbid intentions, why she's been so protective. But you know, I guess there is this kind of dark side to what is going on. So why did you why did you love this so much in spite of that? There is a dark side to it. Obviously the content is 
confronting in some ways. Um, and the fact that it's just really, it's drawn in very few lines, the kind of sketches of the people and the plot. The chapters are very short. The book is actually quite short. Um, it's very easy to read. And I think the absurdity of the situation and the seriousness of the situation is kind of offset by how much you relate to these sisters. Uh, so I think I really enjoyed the older sister, especially the fact that you are with her even though she's not likeable in quite a few ways. Mm. And then I think that as it you know, unfolds and you do start to understand more, okay, where is this coming from? Why does the younger sister act this way? Why does the older sister feel so bound to clean up her messes? Um, you do get a really kind of, I, I dislike the word relatable, but a really relatable picture of what it means to be family um, and to be committed to each other no matter what um, and what the consequences of that can be. So that's kind of a universal story, you know, even though the premise of this particular story is so specific and yeah. so unlikely in a way. Well, just finally, you know, do you think that given that they do actually physically clean up after a murder and that kind of thing, would the would the, the sort of the graphic details of that be be too much for some people or do you think it's like fairly safe territory? I think it's very readable and it's not um it's not distressing in that way. That's not the tone of it at all. Um, and actually the the writer who, I think this is her first novel, but she's written stuff before and won awards and um, she actually had a lot of writer's block at the time when she decided to just sit down and write something that would be fun. Um, and she wrote the whole book in a month um, and then was kind of surprised that it turned out to be this book that all these people love. Um, so it has that feel of kind of it's fast-paced, it's really beautifully kind of sketched. You get a really deep insight into their lives and how they think without getting bogged down in detail. It's great for book clubs because the ending is a little bit controversial and there's good discussion to be had there. Mm, and sounds- everyone in the book club will be able to finish it. Yes, true. It's quite easy to read. <laughs> and you good. feel the achievement of like, oh, that chapter was just two pages. I'm, <laughs> I'm moving through here. I love that. I love short chapters. <laughs> yeah. Especially when I'm reading at night and I'm really tired. So, yeah, love that. Now, next we're going to the first book in a popular murder mystery series. Still Life by Louise Penny is the book that launched the fictional career of Chief Inspector Gamache. Set in Quebec, in a rural village south of Montreal, Inspector Gamache is called in after the body of a local artist and retired school teacher is found in the woods, killed in what appears to be a hunting accident. But is it really? Natasha, g'day. <laughs> Hi. Spoiler alert, not a hunting accident. Yeah, I'm guessing it wasn't a hunting accident, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, let's talk about Chief Inspector Armand Gamache. He's the featured detective. Uh, You know, what's his story? Is he a damaged, recovering alcoholic with a deep loss in his past? He is totally not that detective. He is lovely. Um, We love him. Everybody loves him. Um, he's this very, like he's older, he's had a long career and there is some controversy in the past. Um, he's kind of out of favour with his superiors over something that's kind of happened, which, um, you know, I haven't read the whole series yet, but I've liked, I loved this first book enough that I've gone on to read the second so far and I want to read more. There are a lot of them. Um, 
and there's another one coming out this year. I think it might be number 16 or something. Oh, wow. Um, he is very happily married, adores his wife, is like kind and encouraging to his subordinates. He cares a lot about them. He's always kind of looking out for the misfit, um, the person who, you know, is struggling or who, you know, wants to do well at their job. So there's kind of the the relationship that he has with his colleagues. But then also the way that he investigates murder, where he's still kind of shocked by murder. Mm. There's a bit of a kind of Hercule Poirot edge Mm. to that. Mm. Um, And he has a kind of spirituality to him. Um, which is not kind of overdone, but there are a lot of people in these books that clearly believe in God and believe that there's something more going on in everything. And he just really listens to people. Like he he is sensitive to the people that he comes across in his investigation and um, what their emotions are, what their relationships are like. Um, and this is what makes him a really good detective is that he is sensitive to people and what they're actually going through. He's really perceptive about that and he cares. Mm. It's, it sounds like it would be, you know, he'd be great for like a TV series or something like that. I don't know if they've well, done they that. I think they've made this. Okay. Because, I mean, crime series these days is this a fair statement are kind of all about location aren't they is it in the scottish highlands or you know on like a remote island is it in the caribbean is it you know wherever this one is quebec um which is kind of really fun because it's one of the themes in it is the sort of the english french thing and Mm. the differences that they have um and some of the angst in the different kind of communities about that um so i found that really interesting but also it's set in this village called three pines and it's just really beautiful and picturesque and all the people are kind of i mean all the people aren't lovely actually there's a lot of kind of abrasive damaged people but also they really have this beautiful community um so you sort of fall in love with the the village reading the books it's um, really so interesting that you that you kind of commented on the the setting because i i've also been reflecting on that how in crime fiction you know whether you're talking about jane harper setting things in the outback or the one i'm going to review mm-hmm. later set in galway setting seems to be a really important element of crime fiction yeah well place is kind of a character in the in the crime i think a lot of the time and of course being canada the weather is a big so in the second book, um, A Fatal Grace, uh, the winter, the Quebec winter is, and the intensity of that is really important for the plot and for the feel of it. And in the first book, it's kind of late autumn and early winter. Mm. And that's really pretty, which is a funny thing to say about something I'm not seeing. So um, I was reading a few reviews and they often use this word cosy about this book, that it's a cosy murder mystery. Mm -hmm. Like I guess that refers to, you know, a bunch of friends in a small setting or something like that. So what for you made this book worth reading? And even to go on to the second one, Natasha, which, you know, we know that your, your tradition is to read the first book in a series and then try something else. Well, you know, I often want to read the next one. It's just that it's hard to find time, right? There are so many books out there. I mean, it is cosy. There's something really lovely about the village and I think the weather contributes to that because it's often so cold outside that they're often sitting by the fire having a drink and who doesn't want to read about sitting by the fire having a drink (laughs) as they find out things about the murder. I think also like the writing 
At times the writing is a bit uneven, like it works better in some places than in others. But when it's good, it's very good. And it has these beautiful touches in it where you just get glimpses of like the psychology of a particular person. You don't you don't see everything from Inspector Gamache's perspective um, or from the police perspective. Um, you really get inside views into like all the various characters and what they're like and what they've been through. And, you know, even these little moments like um, you get a quick glimpse into how the the dead woman's dog feels about her being dead, like his kind of understanding or her kind of understanding of that, um, which was kind of really moving and not something you'd expect from just like kind of a, a crime novel. Yeah, murder a mystery. murder mystery. Um, it seems like superfluous detail, but you do kind of really get this picture of like all that it means for the people who are left behind. You come for the murder, but you stay for the community. A sensitive murder mystery with a light touch <laughs> and a nice community feel. Yeah. <laughs> Here's our marketing spiel for it. (laughs) Great. Uh, So, you know, Natasha, with this lockdown, I feel like some people maybe have a bit more time on their hands. Uh, Not everyone. Mm -hmm. Some people have a lot less. Not everyone. You have children. I personally (laughs) do feel that with schooling at home and all the extra housework generated by three kids being at home all the time, um, (laughs) that I actually feel like I have a bit less time for reading. No, I'm sorry. But, you know, I think there there are some people that do have a bit more time to read at the moment. I'm one Um, of them. So we're talking about the the thick book, the big fat book that you've always meant to read um, but you haven't had the time or maybe the courage to pick it up. Have you actually Mm -hmm. taken on one of those? Well, it's complicated. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So I have and I haven't. So I have been reading Les Mis Mm. by Victor Hugo, Les Miserables. Um, I have actually been reading it kind of just um, when I go to bed at night on and off um, since October. It's kind of too big to carry around with me, right? So it's just a reading at night, which means it's taken me a long time. I've been reading it since October uh, up till March um, when, you know, working from home and everything being cancelled began. At that point, I'd read about 700 pages, oh, which meant that good. I had another 500 to go. Oh, my right? goodness. Long- wow. <laughs> but I've just finished it. In, oh. you know, so those 500 pages took me like under a month. That has been a bit epic. That's colossal. Um, Was it worth the effort? My husband read the book and is a massive fan of the story. So for you, was it worth the effort? It definitely was. It's um, it's incredible. You have to have a different sense of time for it, <laughs> mm. I think, which is accurate in ISO, right? You do yep. need a different sense of time so it fits um, because it's just so luxurious in the way that he digresses all the time. So, you know, you're kind of, because there's like 1,200 pages, it's like he, he thinks nothing of kind of a 70-page digression about the Battle of Waterloo or about the sewers in Paris or about what Paris is like as a city or about revolution or whatever it is or, you know, this one minor character that you barely kind of know but mm. you get all these chapters on this one person. So it's a bit Dickensian, I think, in that way. I was wondering but, about that, yeah. 
but also a bit, you know, my favourite book is Moby Dick um, and it feels a little bit like that in terms of how philosophical it is. So I kind of read it with a pencil in hand and underlined things that I was like, I just can't go past this line or this paragraph without marking it in some way. And there was a lot of that throughout the book. So it is gorgeous. And if you're up for it, I would recommend it. Okay. Um, if you have the luxury of I am considering time. Proust next. We'll oh. see if that happens. Okay. Because um, when in my life am I going to read Proust, if not now? No, so <laughs> okay. I don't know. How about you? Go for it, Natasha. Um, so my choices are not nearly as literary, although Lave Miss has always kind of been out there somewhere in my mind, but I'm, I'm just, I can't even think about tackling that at this Calling point. <laughs> uh, so I am, look, my daughter is at me to read the fifth Harry Potter. 800 pages <laughs> is like months of my life. Is it 800? Oh, yeah. It's massive. Yes, it is. That's why I haven't read it. There's not a lot of text on each of those pages. Oh, I don't know about that. Number four was a serious commitment. I read that traveling and I haven't. Number five is a blockage for me. Basically, if I don't read that this year, I'm just going to audio book it because I just, you know, it's just holding me back from finishing the series. (laughs) Um, And it's really annoying my 13-year-old that I haven't read it. So. Look, I'm with your 13-year-old on this, Katrina. Like, I just, I don't understand. It's Harry Potter. It's like you will devour it. It doesn't matter how long it is. Well, it does mean that I can't read anything else for that period of time, and I just don't know if I can do that. Why would you want to be reading anything else? It's Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Now, the other one, which you're probably going to, like, run away into the corner of the room and vomit when I mention it, is... um. (laughs) Is Outlander. So, you Do you think I'm that much of a snob? (laughs) (laughs) I just thought it wouldn't be your cup of tea, Natasha. I mean, there's a lot of it. My sister's read them all, and I think my mum's read them all. So, they've, you know, told me a lot about them, which makes me feel like I don't need to read them. But I just feel as though there's book after book of like hundreds and hundreds of pages. And I'm sorry, that, as opposed to Harry Potter 5, that is like. What right do you have to this much of my time? Really? Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. I'm not going to read the whole series. I've liked <laughs> the TV show. We got a little bit stuck when they went to France for too long and that kind of got bogged down in boring yeah. stuff in yeah. France. Yeah. I don't want to read that bit. But <laughs> the Scottish stuff, I just love. So I figure, you know, I'd like to read one of them yeah. at least. Go for it. Okay, so um, you can ask me about that in like six months and see how yeah. it went. Yeah, do. But what I actually have been reading, uh, which was a much simpler and faster read, was The Scholar by Devla McTinnon. So I think I talked to you before about The Ruin, which was the first book in this series. Mm-hmm. So it features yep, um, Cormac Riley. So he's a Galway-based detective. Um, there's actually a new one just come out called The Good Turn, um, which I'm going to get to hopefully soon. You're committed to your series. <laughs> well, <laughs> I actually don't. Yep. I'm not a big series reader, but. Yeah, but this one is just fun and it's enjoyable and it's not too big a commitment, so it's working for me. So the scholar features a young girl killed in a hit-and-run accident, okay, but this college dropout um, turns out to be a chemistry genius and when she was killed, she was carrying the ID, the student ID of Carline Darcy, a gifted student and the heir to the Darcy Pharmaceutical Empire. So the mystery gets really messy when it turns out that Cormac Riley's partner, Emma, 
is not only a witness in the case, but the lab that she works at seems to be connected to whatever got this young girl killed. So that makes working on the case extremely tricky for Cormac Riley. So is the scholar the girl? There's two main girls. There's Caroline Darcy, who's the heiress, and then the girl who was killed is um, Della Lambert, and she's from a really poor, disadvantaged background, but she's brilliant. And, of course, things didn't end well for her, um, and the book is really – I feel like there's a bit of a social justice kind of theme running through it in the way that the rich and powerful can use um, people who are disadvantaged, you know. Did you pick the killer? No, actually, I, I didn't pick the killer, I must be honest, no. I did pick sort of the major, I mean, plot element of the story. I picked that fairly early on. With all detective stories, you need a good detective. So for Cormac Riley, he's kind of solid, he's likeable, he's strong, he cares. He takes a few shortcuts he probably shouldn't, sometimes gets himself into trouble. He He's a little mm. bit um, Inspector Rebus from Ian Rankin series in that he he has got the past and a few of those demons he's trying to, um, to overcome. But... Yeah, basically he's likeable and, and he's on the side of the good guys. So, yeah, you want him to win. So I liked it, yeah. Galway, a character? Is it rainy a lot? Oh, it is. It's rainy. It's cold. Uh, the setting's very believable. Maybe in this one it, the setting was a little bit less dominant in the story than it was in the first book, The Ruin. Um, there was kind of less descriptions of the cold and, and the streets and that kind of thing. But what she does really well is the kind of social setting, you know, the sense of um, what life is like for them and the socioeconomic differences between different families and how they live and their struggles. You get a real sense of that, what, what Ireland is like for different people and how they experience the same place in very different ways. Ooh. So you'd recommend? I do. Yeah, I do. I mean, like, I, I'm not recommending, like, this is the most amazing book you'll ever read, but if you just want a really good, solid <laughs> murder mystery, it's worth a look. So, yeah. That's it for episode 22 of The Hopeful Club. In this crime episode, we have reviewed My Sister, The Serial Killer by Annika Braithwaite, Still Alive by Louise Penny, the first book in the popular Chief Inspector Gamache murder mystery series, and The Scholar by Dervla McTiernan. And we'd love to hear from you. You can email us, bookclub at hopemedia.com.au. Thanks for listening to The Hope Book Club because life's always better with a book, even in lockdown, especially in lockdown. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.